We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the Battle Star Galactica episode, Experiment in Terra. Picking up from last week's episode, the evil Eastern Alliance enforcers, along with the Borellian Nomen, have escaped the Galactica. Rather than recapturing them, Galactica's fighters are pursuing them, hoping to follow them back to Lunar 7. Apollo is separated out and captured by a ship of lights. As he was mostly dead the last time he was there and his memories were erased, he remembers nothing of the previous experience. He is introduced to John, one of the beings that has taken human form to interact with him. Apollo must go to the planet Terra and stop a devastating war. John can't help him, though. So he's on his own, and just like that, he's approaching the planet Terra in his Viper. Back on the tail of the evil Eastern Alliance ship, Starbuck detects Apollo's absence, but spots his locator at the extreme edge of detector range. Starbuck heads off on a one-way trip to rescue him. On the planet Terra, Apollo really isn't capable of getting with the program quickly enough. The beings of light have granted him a protective aura, which makes him appear to be Major Charlie Watts, a bit of a scoundrel who is missing in action. He is met by Brenda, Charlie's former girlfriend, who has been directed to Apollo's landing site by John. Brenda's father is in the Presidium, the ruling council of the Terran Nationalists, the democratic opposite to the evil Eastern Alliance. Because Apollo is too stupid to figure out the situation that was clearly explained to him by John, he manages to convince Brenda not that he's an alien lookalike of Charlie Watts sent to impersonate him and stop a war, but instead that he's Charlie Watts gone nuts. He's captured, sent for medical examination, and then locked up. It turns out that the president of the Nationalists is preparing a massive peace treaty with the evil Eastern Alliance, and he's been locking up everyone that might oppose peace with the evil Eastern Alliance. Charlie Watts is one such person. Meanwhile, Brenda's father returns from a secret mission with evidence, but not proof, of some of the atrocities being carried out by the evil Eastern Alliance. He's locked up too, as is Brenda. Now for the part you didn't see coming. The evil Eastern Alliance has signed the peace treaty as a ruse. They plan to stage a massive surprise nuclear first strike and wipe out the nationalists on the eve of peace. Starbuck arrives, and after John grants him a protective aura, he breaks out Apollo and the others. Apollo must go to the Presidium, tell what he knows about Paradine and Lunar 7, and denounce the President's peace treaty for what it is, a foolish attempt to placate an intractable and evil enemy. Meanwhile, Starbuck tries to get a signal back to the Galactica. The Galactica had already noticed the location of the missing pilots and left the fleet to intercept, traveling at light speed. The Galactica arrives just in time to use its lasers to destroy the nuclear barrage while still in space. The evil Eastern Alliance think that the Nationalists have a new super weapon that renders their nuclear arsenal useless, and so, once again, sue for peace. This time on the Nationalists' terms. The Nationalists, knowing that they don't have a new superweapon, nor will they have one in the future, agree to talks from a position of false superiority. Peace, based on a wholly false premise, seems assured. Apollo returns to the Galactica, but before he does, John reveals to him what he needed to know. Terra is not Earth. Their journey continues. Okay, experiment from... Terra, the latest in the Being of Lights trilogy. Any better than what we've been seeing the last few weeks? Well, last few weeks we were getting Love Boat. Tonight, uh, this episode, this was Highway to Heaven. I just needed Michael Landon to be in the show. You know, his hair would be right in... It would so work. It would, Although it would be a battle, it would be a battle of the hair between, you know, between Richard Hatch, Michael Landon, and Dirk Benedict. It'd be, that would be more entertaining than the story. I uh, I I seem to recall liking this episode. Um, I seem to recall liking when I've watched it the first time. Yeah, but when I but, was watching through this one, I, oh I no. didn't hate it, but I definitely thought that the I thought the original pilot was a little heavy-handed on the whole peace through force thing, but this is so much worse. Mm. Um I mean even even Star uh, Starbuck, the other guy, Apollo uh, he says it at the end of the episode. 
Some believe that the opposite of war is peace. The opposite of war is slavery. It's a pretty dark view mm. of the world, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah, it is. It's pretty dark. Pretty Freedom clear. is achieved through strength alone. His words. Not talking about moral strength. Yeah, strength of character. That, He's talking about military Military strength. strength. Yeah, that's a little disturbing. Uh, I don't like that either. Uh, that uh, I, I'm sure that you, you could look back in history and find uh, less savory political figures who have adopted that philosophy. You know, but we look at them now and say, mm, "No, bad idea." So for, uh, for for this show to actually try and preach that, it, uh, because you're right, there, there's no ambiguity on that. They are clearly making the case. Yeah, that, yeah, peace is achieved through through that uh, uh, type of military strength. You know, it's like, oh, what you you're looking at daytime now? I mean, is this is this supposed to be some sort of uh, a, a television representation of the Cold War that were the you know that that maybe you you're trying to preach about? Um, it's not coming off very well. And I could I could accept that point of view. I mean, as a character's point of view, I can accept that point of view. And I mean, there is a certain there's a certain validity to it. You can't just roll over with an intractable enemy, right? You, you do have to you do have to stand up for your characters, uh, for your for your principles. So I mean, this is not a black and white line. Um, I mean, the, the 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 Enterprise has weapons, right, to defend themselves. You have to fight to defend yourselves. There is there is even in a utopian view, you have to take the possibility that somebody is going to come to you and is going to try to hurt you. And I I, I or libertarian view or whatever it happens to be, I, I can get it. But this is the same guy who just last episode or the episode before was you know oh, we have no right to deal with these people as we. See fit. We have to, you know. I mean, he he's willing to take an extreme stand on principle of doing the right thing. Here, he's taking a position that is more calculating than moral. I mean, it, mm. yeah, that sounds right. I'm not saying he's wrong, but at the same time, it's definitely a much darker message. And it's and in the case of you know, if you didn't get it from the Cylons, who are okay? L- let's let's compare the two. The Cylons are machines that are programmed to behave in a certain way, and that way is to take over and destroy or enslave everything. Right? There, there's no black and white there. Right. They are. They are. They are. Well, there is black and white there. It's they are black and white evil. There's no shades of gray on that. That's what I should say. And so we, as the audience, could be justified killing them all day long because a they're not alive, and b they're machines programmed to kill us. And mm-hmm. you just have to get rid of them. I mean, right. There's, there's no, there's no, that's a very black and white issue for the very reason you just said. There is, I mean, unless you can find a way to literally scrap the programming and insert something new, yeah, this is what you're stuck with. Right. But the Eastern Alliance are humans. Mm-hmm. You can, you should theoretically be able Sorry, to the reason evil with them. Eastern Alliance. The evil Eastern Alliance, yeah. In theory, you should be able to find some kind of common ground. Um, right. I mean, if you look even back to, uh, in the pilot... Of, of this series, the whole idea of them, and, and we've talked about this uh, a number of times, about trying to find some kind of common ground between humans and Cylons. And while we, you know, there there is evidence to suggest that there should be, at least in terms of the the way they're described by the humans, there's absolutely no way that they can be negotiated with. So if we're going to take that on face value, then yes, the Cylons must be completely wiped out. But I would not equate, but to, to place that kind of a um, equation uh, on the Eastern Alliance, the evil Eastern Alliance, seems mm-hmm. really heavy-handed and highly inappropriate. I mean, that's, you know, uh, it's, you know, I've seen, I've seen the face of the enemy and it's myself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the other part that, you know, we, we're supposed to walk away from this and say, well, victory for the good guys, right? But... This is no victory. It's not a victory. It's it's, it's a bizarre detente, but not a victory. And it's predicated on a, a complete lie. The oh, Eastern it is. Alliance think that they have a super weapon. And they and don't. They don't. Right. And the 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 nationalists know that it's Apollo and Starbuck and, and their ship. They also I mean, John, and I really hate this part, now that you put the fear of God in them. Oh, yeah, it's really. like, wow, that's really a 
That's evolved. Uh, for, for, for a supposed devout religious person, that's an incredibly cynical view. It is. It is. And that <laughs> is something... God is that, a lie. And that is you're afraid so, of him, yeah, so what? That is something that has really bothered me with much of what we have seen in Galactica as of late. I mean, with, with Glenn Larson being the, uh, the supposedly devout member of the, the Mormon faith... That, you know, that he says he is, there are directions that this show has taken that clearly suggest otherwise. And this is one of them. I mean, that is a very, very nasty point of view. Um, and again, the other thing that really bothers me is if these advanced, you know, the beings of light, if they're supposed to be so terribly evolved, how can we accept this as a solution? There is nothing evolved about it. It is based, as you said, it is based solely on a lie. It is based on fear. And fear. And, and God, and, and you know, what happens if the Eastern Alliance suddenly finds out, oh, guess what? That was a ruse. <laughs> okay, guys, lob everything we've got at them. Well, the only good thing is, is that they don't have anything left. Neither side yeah. has any nuclear weapons left, I think, is the is part of the premise there. Okay, but, so then you just build up your arsenal all over again. Yeah. And well, once they find out that the nationalists don't have any weapons left either, right, because all theirs launched automatically, and uh, so they go, oh, wait, that shield wasn't yours, so basically it's whoever can build the weapons fast enough to get the ground troops going or whatever it is to to, to take the battle. So, yeah, it's it's an imperfect solution. I mean, obviously it's all John had to work with. Uh, um and and let's talk a little bit about what the heck's going on there. Uh, I we can't go, we can't interfere, but we can send you to interfere. Isn't that interfering? Yeah. Or is, or is that like is that like a ricocheted billiard shot? That that's okay. I I can't. It's I can't okay if someone else does the dirty work for us. We just can't do it ourselves. I mean, I don't understand that. I mean, it's, and it's not dirty work. It's good work. Well, is it? Well, I, I mean, think, I think stopping the war is supposed to be. The I know, intent. but this this is a bad example of end justifying the means. And then what, what's that thing? We'll take you as close as we can without causing. What did he say? Complications or problems? Ah, uh, something like that. Who who with? What with? Is this, I don't know. It, you know, it, would the would the Terrans see their ship? I mean, hell, nobody else can, and they can make them all forget. Um, I. It, it, it is this something to do with Count Ebley, and I don't mean specifically Count Ebley, but in other words, are we are we dealing with something here where, and I'm sure we discussed this during War of the Gods, that that Ebley has to take people willingly, um, and if he violates that penalty, is forfeit. Something something is forfeit that he's, yeah, he's broken this, the it, rules. Are it, are these trying to? Are these these same rules in a different facet? That's that what trying to that's avoid? what I think. Yeah, it's very possible. This is as far as they can they can go to go any further. Would then enact a price, and every, the basically the cosmos would be out of balance. Doesn't doesn't that imply that there's something at a higher greater level? than them? That's that says we demand the the, the balance. Well, if you're going to take uh, everything, the, the whole Mormon theology as it is. Oh boy! Oh man! I don't know if I want to go down that road because it is murky as anything. It, isn't it? That there's there's God, and then but there's there's then you God can be and... subject gods for like your own planets or something. Basically, you... that's it. Yes. In in short, that is correct. So the God. So you've got these advanced beings of light. They are like the gods to the colony. You know, the people of the colonies. But they have a God that they need to answer to as well, just as that God has a God to answer to, you know, and now you've got this, this pantheon of gods, basically, you know, but you only answer to the one that's above you. Okay. So it is very possible. I mean, that's who, um, Ibley had to answer to. Ibley didn't answer to the beings of light. Yeah. He had to answer to the God above him. Now, I'm just saying if you were to, you know, if I'm taking the Mormon faith, as it is, and just laying it right on the War of the Gods, that's what you're getting. And so to extrapolate from that, it's a good bet that John and the Beings of Light were subject to that same restriction. Is John, when he's talking on high, do you see what <sighs> I have to work with? You know, like oh. that. 
Is he talking to the other beings of light or is he talking to the man upstairs? Ooh, great question. Really I, good question. I don't yeah, know. I mean, it, it, it does have that kind of... You know, and then there's a question of what is John? John well, does not come off exactly the same as all the others do. I mean, he, he appears different right from the get-go. Well, but he says that he's done that so that he can interact with him. Yeah. So, I don't know. I kind of get the feeling that he's they not say that he the has same... no physical body at all, is what yeah. he said. I have no physical body. I just take this form so that you can relate to me or something to that. So, yeah. I thought he was one of the others. Um, yeah. Why didn't they take a? Why didn't all they take a form that was more uh, instead of that kind of girl in the weird mask? Look? I mean, I to be honest, I well, I would. I'm not even going to go go into the, the whole wardrobe thing. I I won't touch that one. I know what it is, but I'm not going into it. Um, <laughs> But in the case of John, I I did get the feeling that he was talking to the other beings of light that he came from. You know, that maybe they I all agreed. Too, yeah. That they all agreed. Okay, John, we've selected you by committee that you're going to be the one to do this for us. Yeah, I kind of felt like he was the he was the point man for this their team of interventionists, <laughs> whatever the hell they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, we'll we'll probably hit a couple more things along the way, but I'll let's see if I can go through my notes and see what what uh, caught us. When they approached Terra, I thought they did a really good job of showing us a uh, cloudy planet, blue planet, with what looked to be Baja Mexico, yeah, peeking out at one point in the clouds, but like. Eh, like it could be Earth, it couldn't be Earth. I I thought that was a nice little tease. As they approach it, it's like you, you, you know, if it'd been North America sticking out, you'd be definitely going, oh yeah, there we go. But if you know the the North South America bridge, but it, Baja, the, the the isthmus or whatever you call that thing sticking out, it it uh, peninsula, mm-hmm. uh, it could be wrong. Um, they did land at Vasquez Rock. I know. Yeah, at nighttime. Is, is that the first show or first episode? In, in nine years of this podcast that we've reviewed where there's been a scene at Vasquez Rock. Wow. You know, that wasn't Star Trek. Yeah. Um, well, we haven't reviewed any episodes of Star Trek that were shot at well, Vasquez Rock. Yes, we, well, we have. We did an episode where we talked about favorite Star Trek episodes. So, yeah. I, I guess. Do that. But, so, yeah. So, not counting that. Um, yeah. I think this is the first one. It's the first one that comes to mind. I mean, Man from Atlantis. Yeah, I wish. Um, uh, the other shows were British or Canadian. Would, yeah. So no, this is the first time. I think this is the first one. Fantastic yeah. Journey. I don't. I can't remember. I don't think Fantastic Journey did anything near Vasquez Rocks. Uh, uh, the other one, Branson Cave, Branson Canyon Cave. Yes, but not Vasquez Rock. To my life. Anyway, I thought uh, a couple of things I really did like about this episode. Okay, uh, one of which was the fact that they were shooting. Uh, at night at Vasquez Rock. I thought it was very effective. Uh, I also thought it was very effective that that allowed them to disguise what a car looked like (laughs) and to disguise what the hovercrafts looked like because all we can see are the glaring lights. Mm -hmm. And very effective, in my opinion, was knocking out the sound of the helicopters because they're obviously helicopters. Oh, clearly. But by taking out any rotor noise and making them silent, it actually is a... It's a cheap effect. It is, very, but it's effective. But it's very effective. And it's I, very effective, I, I mean, especially since, I mean, uh, in fact, at one point, I, I actually kind of wondered watching that thinking, now, is that, I, I think it's a helicopter. Are they on cranes? I, I, or, yeah. yeah, that was the first thought that ran through my head was, are they on cranes? And, oh, wow, that looks a little bit like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Hmm. ILM? I don't think so. Uh, so, yeah, it was a very well done effect. Uh, not so well done was the fact that at one point uh, when... Apollo went to the Presidium. They show a beautiful picture of the Presidium building, which is just a stock footage of something from Los Angeles mm-hmm. with a bright blue daylight sky, and then immediately cut to a scene of Starbucks driving in the dark. At night! Vasquez Rock. <laughs> that was a little less convincing, but uh, yeah. Well, if it's a planet that's got one of those, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's uh, orbitally locked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's possible but i highly doubt it yeah it probably yeah probably life couldn't exist but that would be an interesting uh i'd be an interesting i think i read a book on that once i don't remember what i've it was. seen it well i've seen it in fantasies 
fantasy stories. You know, on fantasy, there, you know, there are no rules, but in science fiction, uh, it's whenever there has been life, it's not been good. Oh, I it was in some sort of um uh, uh, vampire book series. The, their home world was tight was tightly locked to their sun, and so ah, uh, hence the life that evolves only in dark or something. Yeah, anyway, I can't remember the names of them, but the books. But somebody out there probably knows what they are. Uh, Galactic and colonial English apparently does not have a word for memory loss, right? Or perhaps they call it something else, like forgetatron. <laughs> He's got a serious case of Forgetatron. Oh, okay. <clears throat> it was a nice joke, but it, making fun of them not understanding Earth names, but at the same time, it was like, really? I mean, mm. Everything else they say is pretty much English. Mm. Exactly. Also, I bet those white, uh, white Galactica uniforms are hell to clean. Oh, yeah. They keep clean. They must have had... a. Uh... A, a several ready to just swap out at, at a moment's notice because uh, especially when uh, both Starbuck and Apollo I mean each one of them at one point is outside and all it takes is just the slightest little puff of dust and now you've got this nice brown streak of dirt mm-hmm. you know on parts of the uniform that's not gonna work there's nothing very angelic about being dirty <laughs> maybe the aura keeps the uh, keeps the dirt off of well Oh, we can. Oh, yes. Now that's great for the story, but that's kind of hell for the wardrobe. <laughs> the wardrobe department's got a problem. Yeah, uh, not a spot on them. Well, you gotta be kidding me! You've you've burnt through all my Cylon costumes, and now you're gonna ask me to make three hundred white suits for these guys? Oh, I'm sure great. that the moment that came down the line is part of the the episode or you know production orders. Like, oh, I have to do this now. You know, the person just had a nervous breakdown. So. Back to another question that we've talked about in the past Mm -hmm. that was brought up again in this episode. When they put Apollo in the brig, and remember that when they put Apollo in the brig, they think he's Charlie Watts. Right. They put him in there, they put him behind a door, and they say, in case you were thinking of escape, and then demonstrate how lethal the force barrier is. Now, here's a couple questions. Wouldn't Charlie Watts, if that's what cell technology is like in his world, wouldn't Charlie Watts know that? And so they wouldn't have to show him. And two, mm-hmm. they don't have force fields on the Galactica on their prison ship. I know. They have glass. And they have a big metal shield over the front of the Galactica's windows. And the only thing that we've ever come up with that looks like a force barrier might be the landing bays. Yeah, obviously there's, well, uh, and and the way the Galactica was able to uh, uh, project a shield that destroyed all of the the missiles, uh, the the nuclear missiles as they were being fired. There's that. I thought that that was supposed to be their laser or something. Was it? I I didn't get that. I mean, it didn't look like it. No, it doesn't look like it, but I got, really? Galactica possibly doing something technically inaccurate? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I thought he said they were firing the lasers in a pattern to create a shield, which... You know, you're right. Like, they did say that. But it's like, that's not how but lasers that's not, work. That, that, that's rubbish. <laughs> that, that's kind of... I mean, the whole point of a laser is that it's highly focused. It's nothing if it's not focused. It's a flashlight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if you're going to do that, then your your projector... You know, it's it's like, okay, so imagine laser. Yeah, how does it... Yeah. Imagine laser. You know, if you go see a laser light show, the and I, and I discovered this uh, going to one uh, years ago in California. It's a single laser, but you with the use of prisms and by moving it really, 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 really fast, they're able to make it look like it's a, a a picture, a line, whatever. But no, it's just moving in a program direction really fast. Can they do that? You know, and consider this. I mean, that's not a steady laser beam. Those are those are laser pulses mm-hmm. that they're shooting at. So to create a shield with that, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, that was probably yeah, probably not. But it, but here the Terrans have what I would consider superior technology to the Galactica because we have not seen force field technology on there. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if force field technology is superior to a plexiglass door, but it kind of seems like it would be. Well, keep in mind that when we had the fire in the landing bay in that in the BS Galactica disaster yep. episode, they didn't turn off the force fields. They had to blow the bulkhead. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. What's uh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I have I'm a headache. Nuts. I have a headache. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, screws yeah. that idea, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I have here. What keeps the atmosphere in the landing bay? It's in my notes. I'm just like, oh, I don't understand their technology. It's so advanced. It's like magic. It's you can't heavier. turn it off, but it keeps the air in, and it's yeah. So I want to note that the president of the Nationalists isn't just deluded. Right? He knows the Alliance has yeah. destroyed Lunar One and all that. But he's so desperate to suppress the atrocities because they might derail his peace process. It, that's Wow. Is that is that the same as the Council of the Twelve? Because I don't think yes! so. Well, I didn't think that the president of the Council of the Twelve was deliberately hiding atrocities or things that he knew that the Cylons had done to get his peace treaty to. I thought he was being duped by Baltar. Mm. And, I mean, they all knew the Cylons are bad. And again, the Cylons are bad, right? They're programmed to destroy humans. What kind of atrocities can they do that you wouldn't expect of them? They will do anything to kill us, but now they don't want to. So, ha ha, happy day. But this guy Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, because um, as all part of the sneak attack... It's logical to assume that the imperious leader ordered the Cylons to put on the appearance that they had uh, that they were uh, negotiating for peace at the same time, mm-hmm. um, as as opposed to what the Eastern Alliance was doing. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot going on there between Terra and the Alliance that we're not being told. I think there, there's I think a so. lot of detail there uh, that it, on the surface the parallels seem really striking, but under a little bit of analysis, they're not quite the same, and yet I kind of keep getting the feeling that they are. So there's a lot yeah. that we're not being told. And and the president is locking up everyone who might oppose him, right? So he's he's much worse. Well, that's much, yes, that is worse than the president of the Council of Twelve. Yeah. And, all right, let's, let's carry one further. The Eastern Alliance are obviously the Soviet Nazis. I, I mean, they're either oh, Germany clearly. or they're or the Russia. Soviet Union. There's right. a motherland or the fatherland. Take your pick. Or both. And the babyland. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the nationalists. I find that an interesting choice of names. Because nationalism is... Uh, it's on the path to fascism. If it's it is. not outright and fascism. That, and you're right. And it bothered me... To hear that title being applied to what is supposed to be the good guys. Right. I mean, you can call it the Democratic People's Republic of Nationalists. But, but you can call it the still, Democratic People's Republic of North Korea, too. And it doesn't exactly. make it so. It's not, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the kind of government that we, uh, at least that Americans, equate as being the good one. Right, right, because because we're experts on what makes a good government here. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I um, yeah, uh, I I that bugged me, and, and maybe that's it. it may be because uh, in, in listeners who've just picked this up in in transitory, my wife is from Taiwan, and uh, Taiwan is you know basically the remnants of Chiang Kai Shek's nationalist government of China when right. up against Mao Zedong's communist. Uh, and, and and frankly, Chiang Kai-shek was a filthy, rotten, killing dictator. <laughs> he was not a good guy. Uh, you know, he was the good guy we sided. He was the bad guy we sided with because he wasn't a communist. But that's, you know, that's what we do everywhere. Well, yeah, you have the, these nationalist brief alliances. literally the name of that party. You know? Right. <laughs> and... It's like, and uh, yeah, so it rubs me the wrong way. It did me too. In fact, I was, I don't remember it from the first time I saw this during its uh, first time run. However, when I saw it, um, when I saw it just the other night, I, wow, it, it, I, I flinched. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Neither side is really comes off very well. I mean, there's obviously there's good guys like Brenda's father who clearly, is a little bit more... Pre- he's, you know, he, we're supposed to see him as a little bit more like Adama. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they've they've all rallied to Apollo's cry. Stay strong! Stay free! <laughs> Oi. Fight! Oi. <laughs> um, 
I, and I'm, you know, I'm fine with, I'm strong. I'm fine with strong, but strong on your principles, strong on your morals, strong on your. Conscience. Yes, exactly. And then back that up if you have to. But you know, he he sounded much more war mongering. It, 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 um, he did exactly, and that's what bothered me about it. I'm 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 harping on that one. Let me let's try this one. Uh, Starbuck, the hovercrafts approach first contact with what might be humans from Earth, and what does he do? Whips out the little recorder and says, "Let the record show." My gun is on stun for first contact. Yeah. <laughs> can you picture can you picture that on Star Trek with with Picard pulling up to a new planet? Well, this is our first contact planet. Set phases on stun, number one. <laughs> I can't like like I I know what he's trying to get across. Well since but it I does mean, come since across we, it does come a funny. Well, well it does. I mean, every time we've seen the guns in use, it has always been to kill. Yes. I didn't know they had a... St- uh, wait. Didn't- I, I don't remember there ever being a... Wait a minute. No, there was one other time where they had it on stun. I think there was. Ooh, there was. There was. And I don't recall which one it was now. Huh. That that uh, sounds a little true. Um, yeah. Oh, well. But yes, but he sets it on record and then he shoots them all down. Um, it's interesting. Three shots, nine people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there were nine people. He shot them with three shots. So each shot is able to take out three people good shooting hey, he's, starbuck hey he's starbuck good shooting starbuck he's an ace um let's see i also have a note here we kind of touched on it was the whole part where john asked starbuck you aren't contemplating violence are you and uh, starbuck just basically yeah well <laughs> you know got a better idea no get out of my way well you see what i have to work with like so they're, they're clearly condoning violence to get the job done right they also say that if this goes wrong there could be disastrous consequences for them, the beings of light. That it, I found highly puzzling. Now, how does that happen? Is it like a chess game, right? So they're playing chess with the universe, Ebley's forces and their forces. And if the Eastern Alliance, assuming that the Eastern Alliance is allied with Ebley's forces, whether it's directly or indirectly, if they win, they lose another piece on the board? And, and again, eventually... if not, yeah, that's it's, it's funny you should refer to it that way. I mean, I've seen comic books where they where they get really cosmic and, you know, you have your lords of order and your lords of chaos and and you you have your lesser beings that are the chess pieces. And, and that's how they they wage war. But if we're going to go back to the whole Mormon theology thing, you know, again, Larson is writing something here, which really smacks in the face of any kind of Mormon theology. And having been a Mormon at one time, I looked at that and found it to be a very peculiar line. I, I honestly don't quite know what to make of it. Yeah, um, it, 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 it opens us up to the possibility that there's something bigger. But he also said that it has implications for the Galacticans as well. It's like this will have repercussions for you and it will have repercussions for us. Well, I could wasn't the word that he used, but I could sort of see how it might have repercussions on the Galactica, especially if they're you know heading towards that way, trying to find out is this Earth or not. I could sort of see that happen. Um, if the if the repercussions that happen to the beings of light, the only thing I can imagine is that they must be on some sort of indirect basis. That maybe they simply desire for. The humans to be able to finally make it to this 13th colony and they can they can only help so much you know that they're the rules the cosmic rules that are in place they can only do so much in order to help achieve that goal but they would still like for that goal to happen mm-hmm. so it's it's sort of like looking at you know you're you have hope for your children that they're going to um you know maybe make certain choices in life and and they don't so the only repercussions that uh you feel are, you know, it makes you feel lousy. I wonder, hmm, I wonder if, if this is uh, possibly something to do with it. Um, they're considering the Terrans and Galacticans the same. They're all humans. Yeah. So this is another major loss to humanity in in this universe. It could be. Is there anything in the, the theology that would say that the function of this next tier of gods is... To see us on our way to become gods. Yes, that's the desire. So if 
more humans are wiped out in yet another major thing, it's possible that humanity may never reach that goal. And well, so they again, they're failed at yeah, their task. Yes and no. Um, and man, there's a part of me that would love to talk to Larson, but then there's another part of me that I'd just like to punch him in the mouth. Um, because he's, he's really twisting the Mormon faith into something, you know, their, their belief structure into something that's really unrecognizable for me. So uh, he's working on a piece of fiction drawn from loosely drawn. So, I mean, well, yeah, no, and that, yeah. Uh, I, what I'm saying is that for someone who has, is, is, has, knows nothing about Mormonism or has forever been on the outside of Mormonism and only knows it from the periphery, you know, that you, they might be able to look at this with a completely different set of eyes than I do. I mean, I'm kind of seeing it from the inside. I can't help it. And it's got me really scratching my head. And because I can't, it's like, I can't, I know what I know. Fair enough. So I am I, I can't help but look at this through some very colored lenses, if you know what I mean. And that's why so I have a very hard time trying to understand what is really going on here and what is really at stake. I, I think I, I think I was just I don't remember which podcast I was talking about it very recently, but that is of course um, a function of and I hate to use this word with Battlestar Galactica, art. You you the artist puts out the work, but what it gets interpreted by depends on the, the framework of reference that the, that the person watching it has. And you have a different framework right. than I do. Right. And then, that, you know, then most, probably most people in the United States. I think I can safely say that even in 1978 or 79, probably most people in the United States were not Mormons. That's a good think, say. That that's a good bet to make. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that one. Uh, yeah, and uh, and I'll put ten bucks down. Uh, ten <laughs> bucks here. For you anybody. can put a lot more can... down, and you probably get your money back and more. <laughs> uh, anybody who can find that uh, that there were more Mormons in the U.S. than there were all other people, but <laughs> in 1978 or 1979, I'll stretch it the whole the whole two years. Just just a you know. Oh, let's see. Um, oh, yes, there's a, a terror. When I was talking about how good the cheap special effects were with regards to the helicopters and doing a fair job of disguising what a car looked like, although I can't help thinking that that was like the General Lee that she was driving <laughs> from Dukes of Hazard. Mm. I don't know why, but I cut a little bit. And I'm like, but that's the General Lee. They just, they got a black up. Um, but there's a scene where he threatens the guards or the scientist guy in uh, uh, the lab or the jail or whatever, the lab jail. Okay. Two things yeah. that are next to each other. And you guys better do what you want or, or this could happen to you. And he shoots that light globe and everyone is like, oh, that big, huge gun he's carrying actually managed to slightly knock a small glass globe to fall over and hit the ground and crack. <laughs> do you notice that? I mean, it, it, it looked like they just had a string on it. They tugged it a little and it fell over and hit the floor. And you're like, and everyone's yeah. like, oh, that weapon's oh, dear. scary. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> um, and, uh, did it, see, uh, oh, yes, yes, there's another scene. Apparently, Apollo can be seen as Charlie Watts wearing Apollo's clothes. Yeah. What about Starbuck? Okay. They see Starbuck. Well, uh, who knows what they see his face is. I have no idea. We, we never heard. They don't anybody they know. No. But they see him but wearing they don't know. Starbucks clothes. Because they make a point of pointing out that Starbuck and Apollo are wearing the same clothes. Now, here's the part that I thought was weird. Everyone Among knows many Charlie things. Watts is nuts. Yeah. Charlie Watts is wearing funny clothes. They think he's nuts. He's babbling on about being an alien. Another guy shows up wearing funny clothes and suddenly they're like you mean that whole story you told us it was, was true, true? <laughs> which occam's razor which is more likely to be true yeah <laughs> that that two guys wearing the same outfit means they're both aliens from another planet or that two guys wearing the same outfit bought their clothes at the same place for a costume thing i'm gonna go with the latter but mm. uh, but that was apparently all it took to convince them that apollo was telling the truth she and i think that's it i don't have anything else really except that i just thought it was just pathetically lame and very disappointing because uh, yeah I, I seem to remember enjoying it and after watching it you know and my friends 
in school, you know, we're all conversing the next day in class, you know, in our different classes and uh, comparing notes, thinking, okay, well, this could set the stage for this. And then, and we could see this happen. And then this mm-hmm. other thing could happen. And, and, I, and as I watched it tonight, I, or the other night, I thought, mm, no, nah. no, th- okay. this was just, this was just dumb. I do have, I, I, I do have a couple extra bullet points here that's, that, that are important. Well, more important, <laughs> but worth, worth a question. John's words to Apollo when he says, this is not earth. What does he say? What is Apollo is a little disheartened. And what does John say to him? Oh, I don't remember. You must have faith. Faith. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Faith in what? What is he supposed to have faith in? I, I, you know, that didn't, that actually did not bother me. I, I immediately. Is it the beings of light? You, you must trust us. Is that what he's saying? Or faith that you will find it. And then are, are the colony, are the beings of light, the real manifestations of the gods of the Galactica? Or are they beings? How do I phrase that? It, it it's, are they just super advanced beings that the, that the, the colonial history has mistaken for gods or are they seeing the parallels of their gods in these beings because any being so advanced is indistinguishable from magic oh dear you lost me you lost me i'm not quite if we went back if we went back to the farthest points in time in in colonial history Mm -hmm. and they came up with their legends of gods did they do that because they did in fact interact with these beings of light are these beings of light the actual gods of the colonies? Yes. Okay. Not a sort of, you know, if, if a if a super evolved being popped up right now. No, not not that. I know what you're saying. No. They are, okay. they are the gods. They are the gods. And because there's a line. I mean, and I'm not saying right or wrong on this. But again, looking at it as an ex-Mormon... Uh, there's a line that they said uh, at the end of part two of War of the Gods, and it's a very key line, and it's based. It, it comes right out of Mormon scripture, and that is, um, as uh, you are now, we once, we once were, were, as we are now, you may become. May become. Yeah, and that is the tenet of eternal progression that is uh, th- at the heart of Mormon faith. Okay. All right, so uh, that's is a question. All right, one last one. Terra. Mm-hmm. Planet Terra. Humans. Obviously. Yeah. Humans. Yeah. Okay. Not, but from the colony? Where do they come from? Actually, I have a thought on that. I, I have a... My question is this. Which direction did they come from? Are they the tribe of Earth headed out this direction and dropped some people off on Terra on the way and kept on going to Earth? Or did they get to Earth and then like the colonials, starts spreading out, and Terra is a colony mm. reaching backwards towards the Galactica. Ooh, that's actually a very good... That's actually a very, very, very good question. And I was going to answer that in a completely different different way. Um, and that's going back to... And again, you know, I can't help it because, you know, I said, I can't... I know what I know. So uh, the Mormon belief is that... Our God, the God, uh, my God, your God, you know, and you know, forgive me for for oh, you saying it that way, but you know, just simply from a Mormon perspective, right. that the God of this earth is also the God of a whole series of other planets and uh, created life and place life on those other worlds as well. We just happen to be one of many. So, in, in programming, then they're all instances of. A class called humans that God created. So he, they could could literally be created independently from the same blueprint. Yes. By a by a uh, a, a master builder. Uh, That's an interesting idea. Yeah. I mean, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That would uh, if, if I understand what you're saying no, right, if if I understand what you're saying, then yes, I agree with you. Right. Well, you know, if if you were looking at it from a scientific standpoint, there is just simply no way that two planets. Oh, absolutely. The same I mean, yeah. But if you but but if you take on faith the premise that a being could zap them into existence, there you go. And he chooses to zap them into existence here and zap them into existence there. There is no actual relationship between them. Correct. They are the same. Correct. Okay. 
I hadn't thought of it that way, but unfortunately that's partially because, well not unfortunately, but that's partially because the the premise of Galactica is there is another colony that headed out across the stars. So you would naturally You think there's, there's yeah. a sort of there's a sort of trail of human babies that were left behind. And and I will yeah, and and I I will concede to the fact uh, that uh, I had that same question too. I I kept looking at these humans and kept thinking, well, clearly they're human and the fact that they were using um, our terminologies and our units of measurement uh, made it just that much more baffling as to who they are, what is their origin. So, I mean, is this something that maybe the show was going to explore in its in it you know in the next season? <laughs> yeah, before events took a terrible turn. <laughs> I mean, it's very I, I don't know if it was possible because we are like what one episode away from the the end of the show? I believe so. Well, this was the se- Celestra and then there's Oh, the you're right. So, God. Okay, so there's there's two more after this one, and who knows what was supposed to happen in season 2. I mean, right. it's very possible that they were going to revisit this and and maybe answer some questions then, right alongside with learn more about Ibli, you know, and the whole cosmic war of the gods kind of thing. I mean, the series left a lot of unanswered questions, and clearly this is one of them. I, I wonder, you know, if I were watching, and I hate to hold him up as an example, but I will because it does some good work. Um, Straczynski. If J. Michael Straczynski, if he were, uh, if he had put together a TV series and he had never said word one about his direction, right? And if I had had some episodes that had these kinds of breadcrumbs in them, my thought would be that if this show went on, there was a plan for it, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, yes, you're correct. But in the case of Glenn Larson, I I have this feeling that this is more like Hey, we had Let's the episode with we had the episode with Jamie Summers and she died and oh darn people want her back. Well, all right, let's uh I, I know, we'll, we'll bring her back to life. You know, it it's it's right about the pants. Yes. And I have a feeling that if we had had a chance to have an interview with Glenn Larson uh, and they'd said, "So what were your plans for the show?" He's like, "Yeah, I hadn't thought of them yet." I, I totally Yeah, and get I, I'm that. afraid you're right because this I goes back to something that more of the Yeah. Book. That I get Mormon that I could have drawn off to come up with some more stuff off of. So, and that's probably what he would have done. I mean, he probably would have just taken some you know passages out of the Book of Mormon or or out of any any uh, ch- uh, any chapter of either the Old or New Testament and would have just said, "Oh, let's do this," you know, and then you know, mm-hmm. and then he would have crafted you know some some other kind of malarkey story that would have had even more people scratching their heads because, and I believe this is something that I'd said in you know way past. The whole idea of a series that had some kind of an arc was unheard of. Uh, the fact that, I mean, Galactica at least tried to have some kind of continuity. I mean, it, it was trying to be rather operatic in mm-hmm. it try, and failed miserably at times. But at least it did try to uh, maintain some sort of a through storyline. It may not have had the... It, it didn't have the integrity it didn't have of a, what didn't Babylon have Five did. It didn't have or, a reset button at the end of every episode. No, no, right? Because Baltar or, gets captured, and now Baltar yeah. is in jail. Yeah, you know. Well, it didn't even have. Well, I was gonna say it. I mean, I, the first show that I know of that had that kind of integrity is Blake Seven. Mm, right. Nobody over here would have known that at that time. No, no. They Although that's that. that's the same time as this show. That's, uh, that's right. That's right. It is. So parallel. Not no, not even remotely. <laughs> not gonna go there. Not even. Not, not even. There, but but yeah, I mean, I I cannot think of a apart from cast changes, right? When I mean, when a show has a a character quit or the actor dies or something, and they change over, sure, there's a little bit of continuity where they have to bring them in, and and then suddenly. Dooley is no longer in the the show, and now Festus is there, or whatever it is. But but yeah, we have we have this episode follows right on the tail of uh, Baltar's escape, but it is not part two of Baltar's escape. You know, it's it's it, because it, if it were, Lloyd Bachner would be in it, mm. but he's not. <laughs> Right? They, they've completely managed to, we brought him in for that one episode, but in the next episode we are talking about the Eastern Alliance and we're going we're gonna to completely ignore it in a few minutes. But, but at the same time, it, 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 it does carry on. There, there is some continuity there from one episode to the next that's really very different. 
I'm not going to say groundbreaking, but they were trying. I think operatic's a good word for it. I think they were trying mm-hmm. for something like that. Yeah, I, I think that they were definitely trying to go for some sort of space opera. and Space operatic. A, well, yeah. I mean, that, that's a feeling that I keep getting every time I start to watch an episode. And I base that solely on the opening credits. It has this operatic grandeur to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you, and, of course, we already know this is what's going to happen to the col- you know, to the, the, the survivors of the colonies. they got to do this. they got these things to fight against, blah, blah, blah. So it has that sense of gigantic space opera right from the get-go. And then it turns into this, like, pablum, uh, you know, that's either love boat or highway to heaven. Uh, I think part of that is the, the struggling to get episodes when it was not intended to be a weekly series i think yeah blame know, they, the network they, they can't we can't look at this and go well they had a few weeks to catch up because that's not the way tv works no it isn't you know once once they get behind oh they're yeah. behind you oh, no, there, behind. there are production there are definitely production issues that um that have to be considered all right well ben thank you oh sure <sighs> thing i think i think it's take the celestra next time if i'm not mistaken. i think you're right. certainly not hand of god i know that's the oh last no no the that's the final series. one no i just I can't think of any other episodes in there, so I think it's Take the Celestia. But if it is not, just look at your handy-dandy Battlestar Galactica guide and find out what it is before we before we watch the episode. And uh, It so... happens to be Take the Celestia. It, it is. is. Well, there we it go. It is. Yeah. Listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Frack! Oh, no, that's that's a different show. No, it is a show. I don't know.